I don't care who you are. Life's going to punch you in the face. Sometimes life will take you to your knees. Sometimes you have to cry. Sometimes will hurt deep inside. In time of adversity, you don't have an obstacle to deal with. You have a choice to make. You can suffer or you can choose to do whatever you need to do to liberate yourself. Whatever you need to do to reinvent yourself. Whatever you need to do to overcome whatever you are stuck in right now. It does not have to be your residency. You keep standing. No matter how rough the sea, you keep standing. No matter what you don't give up, you keep standing. No matter what. You got to be bold in life, ladies and gentlemen. If you're not bold, if you're not standing up inside yourself, if you're not willing to call into being the highest and the strongest that's within you when you're facing life's challenges, life will trample you. But see, when you discover the truth of this goodness, this power that you have within you, that truth will set you free from ever being a victim in life. That truth will enable you to handle things with a level of equanimity that will surprise you. Getting unstuck means that you are going to start living life on your terms rather than just gliding through every day on automatic. That you have a special power within. That you know that things are going to get better for you. You know that you can handle this. And because you want some different kind of results in your life, you've got to decide that I'm going to go all out. We decide which moments define us. Will it be the moment we get knocked down? Or will it be the moment when we get back up? This is when we show the world what we're made of. Listen to me. You can't give up. If it was easy, everybody would do it. But if life's got you down, I need you to get up and prove them wrong. We we'll all be tested in life. Some of us later, damn, others find a way around the world. Families and everyone. It's about keeping the motivation to keep moving forward on the same exact path that you just failed. People who operate in darkness, they are relentless. They never stop. And we have to make it our full-time job to fight back. You got to put your foot down. You got to get an attitude. You got to get fired up. You got to get up, look at the man in the mirror, and go, this is what I'm doing today, whether they like it or not. I don't give a fuck. Everybody's focusing on the stupidity things that they got on the news. Don't watch the news no more. I give you the real news. You know what the news is about today? You and how you're going to conquer the world. And don't be disturbed because no one else can see it. That's not unusual. You've got to learn how to tune out the critics outside and the critic inside. You need to change on how you look at those people, what they say to you. You got to start armoring your mind. Start preparing yourself for what's out here in life. Build confidence. Build self-esteem. So if people talk shit to you, it doesn't matter. That's great power in adversity. If you're a victim of any kind, make sure you use that to become successful. It's about going that extra step in the front of the camp. That's what builds self-respect, self-esteem, self-discipline, all those things. Learn to not let life hijack your brain. Don't allow all these things to make you a lesser person. You must own your mind. Don't let life own yours. Everybody has a defining moment. Whatever your name.
defining moment is. Own it and say to yourself, after today, I will do whatever it takes to become everything I can become. Raise the bar on yourself. Challenge yourself. Expect things to be great for you because you're going to show up differently. Fight like a warrior and die a legend. Sponsored by Dell Small Business. I'm Stacey Lynn in Washington. In Ukraine right now, Russian forces are pushing closer to Kiev. CBS News correspondent Holly Williams is in nearby Kharkiv, the country's second largest city, where citizens are being told to seek shelter. Russia does deny that it's targeting civilians, and certainly when the invasion first began with those missile strikes and airstrikes, they were targeting, for the most part, uh, military installations. Now that Russian ground forces are engaged inside Ukraine, they're fighting the Ukrainian military. That said, those civilians have been killed, civilians have been injured, uh, and people have lost their homes. NATO held an emergency meeting today to discuss the invasion. Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg. We must stand ready to do more, even if it means we have to pay a price, because we are in this for the long haul. He called on Russia to end what he called a senseless war. Depending where you live, you may be able to finally take that mask off. The CDC with new guidance today on face coverings. Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky. We want to give people a break from things like mask wearing when our levels are low and then have the ability to reach for them again should things get worse in the future. Our Naomi Rockham with more on the new guidelines and how people are reacting. Even though most Americans will now be able to shed their masks, here in New York, that might take some getting used to. I've got my mask with me, and I'm going to be wearing it in the grocery store and going to the museum. I think it just kind of depends on the place and the amount of people and, you know, how safe I feel in that environment. The shift comes as a new Lancet study confronts the tragic toll of the pandemic. More than 5 million children worldwide have lost a parent or caregiver to the virus. And the number of new COVID-19 infections has dropped 65% in the past two weeks. Today, President Biden officially announced his nominee to the Supreme Court, Katanji Brown-Jackson. It's my honor to introduce to the country a daughter of former public school teachers, a proven consensus builder, an accomplished lawyer, a distinguished jurist. She says she feels blessed. Among my many blessings, and indeed the very first, is the fact that I was born in this great country. The United States of America is the greatest beacon of hope and democracy the world has ever known. If confirmed, Jackson will be the first black woman to serve on the high court. Stocks surged today, ending the day higher despite the Ukraine invasion. The Dow up 2.5% at the close. This is CBS News. The following program is an anchor production, now available on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. And with that being said, this Balloon Show starts right now. Right into this world, all along, you gotta take your soul. This world in the eye. 
Well, good morning once again. Welcome to another episode of Mind Chatter. It's Sunday, March 22nd. And I hope everybody's being safe and taking the taking the necessary precautions. You know, this silly coronavirus thing going around. Uh, for today's... For today's little talk, I got something. I, I wanted to do something a little different. I'm usually, I'm usually podcasting about you know the the Constitution or uh, politics, you know things like that. But I want to go in a little different direction today. I think it's going to be kind of fun. It's the whole idea of uh, having a thought in your head and seeing it manifest itself into reality. And it's it's. It's just a very, a very fascinating subject if you really put some thought into it. I mean, it's something that we really just take for granted. I mean, what I mean by that is, I mean, if you look around, wherever you're at right now, just look around. I mean, like I'm sitting in my office right now. I see a monitor. I see a remote control. I see a photograph, um, a printer, my computer, you know, my phone even, the, the, the desk itself. I mean, literally everything around you was somebody's thought at some point and now it is real i mean i'm going to get into a whole bunch of different examples um some are pretty bizarre some are just you know run of the mill but the whole concept of of having a thought of something and it becoming real i i i saw an interesting story this is Oh, I guess this would have been back in 2014 when I saw it. It was like a little documentary. And it was about genetic splicing, DNA modification. Um, in this in this particular show, I mean, researchers, scientists, were able to add a, a silk-weaving spider's genome to a goat's. Right, and this enabled the, um, the, the, the protein that produces the silk to be present in the goat's milk, which then could be accessible by milking the goat. And I think they started doing these experiments in uh, 2010 or something like that. Well, then they re the researchers uh, devised a method to extract the spider silk um, from the milk. And uh, they're able to make something like a 35-mile strand of silk from one, from one milking. I mean, 35 miles... I mean, that's, that's a long, that's a long strand. And of course, just, I mean, like the, you know, the, the thickness of a, of a spider web, right? But to me, I mean, that's simply amazing. I mean, it's been known for, uh, for quite some time that spider silk is, you know, pound for pound among the strongest materials known to man. So this, uh, you know, this uh, milk silk, I guess, I mean, it's every bit as strong as natural spider silk with uh, nearly identical you know tensile strength you know it's stronger than kevlar it's stronger than steel hey good morning adam um obviously this could have you know enormous benefits you know if, if they end up doing a um like a mass production of milk the the silk if that's ever achieved the application of this new material i mean it's almost limitless i mean they're they're in the stages of uh, making uh like a, like a bulletproof material, similar to Kevlar, but it's much stronger. Um, I think they actually have some prototypes out there 
that they have yet to get a bullet through made of this, uh, this silk stuff. <clears throat> um, one of the ideas that I saw on the show was that it, um, it was, the idea was to use that material to produce uh, human-compatible um, ligaments and tendons that would be like 10 times stronger than, than our natural ligaments. And uh, it would uh, allow people to like to jump, jump farther and off of buildings and not get hurt and things like that. It's pretty amazing. But so this, this whole idea is like, uh, you know, that, that, that was an idea that was locked into locked in somebody's head and is now turning into a reality. And I thought of the implications of, uh, you know, the procedure itself, DNA modification, um, gene manipulation, you know, I mean, humans have, have thought forever about the possibility of sharing traits with like other animals, right? And that's not necessarily a new idea. But I wondered though, I mean, could we have, uh, could, I mean, have we officially crossed the threshold um, from possibility into reality? It, it does get weird. I'll give you some examples here in a minute. But it does get weird. Um, countless people throughout history have imagined themselves, you know, with with uh, the characteristics of another species. I mean, children have been, you know, playing make believe on this thing forever. Um, you know, to have the have the vision of an eagle, right, or the the strength of a silverback gorilla, something like that. You know, the outright speed of a cheetah. You know, the 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 lightning quick reflexes of a mongoose. You know, flexibility of a snake. You know, whatever. You know, I mean, there's a million examples you can come up with. Um, these ideas, I mean, they've been around, I mean, since ancient times, really. I mean, look at the look at the Egyptian hieroglyphs, you know, which, like, depict human bodies with animal heads. I mean, that, that's in reference to gods and things. That's a different podcast altogether. But, you know, and, and that might be something that inspired, uh, you know, H.G. Wells' novel called the, um, the Island of Dr. Moreau. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie or, or read the book, but I mean that that story had less to do with actual DNA modification, more to do with like uh, like actual surgical transplants, you know, physically sewing on animal parts in place of human ones, you know, even heads. Uh, which reminds me, we've actually taken that step, and we have. Um, well, I got some notes here. 1959, a French scientist named uh, Alexis Carrel, he grafted a dog's head onto the body of a second dog. And it actually lived for a while, almost a day, but they ended up having to put it down because it was complications. 1970, um, Russian scientists transplanted monkey heads. They, they like cut a head off one monkey and sewed it back onto the body of another one. <clears throat> and it actually lived for 15 or 20 minutes before it died. But they didn't attach the, uh, the spinal column, so it couldn't move or nothing. But it's just very, it's very strange that, I mean, they don't, they don't really do that in the mainstream anymore because of the ethical implications of it, obviously. Um, but there is a scientist, uh, I can't remember his name now, but he is actually working with, uh, like, some Chinese and South Korean scientists trying to do a human head transplant. And he's actually trying to raise funding for it. But again, the ethics of it is pretty horrific. Um, I think he was trying to uh, solicit what's a, a Facebook 
<clears throat> Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg, he's trying to solicit Mark Zuckerberg to finance the finance the thing, and he and supposedly he he has the ability to do it, but we'll see. Hey, good morning, Sean. Thanks for tuning in, buddy. So I mean, today, <clears throat> pardon me. Like I said, these are all thoughts, you know, that somebody had in their head, and, and it has now become a reality. And that's that's really what today's podcast is all about: is that whole concept of making a thought into reality. I mean, today. Like I was talking about, I mean, we can we can do some Dr. Moreau-style procedures. We, we have, uh, you know, transplant surgeries of all types, you know, internal organs, hearts, livers, kidneys, um, using another human beings or, or, you know, in some cases, uh, um, even other animals. Um, but like the, the goat milk, the, what I was just talking about, um, the spider silk, what it, what it implies is... is like what might be possible, you know, without horrific surgeries or transplants. I mean, it does, of course, raise a multitude of ethical questions. But what if we could, for example, like splice into a snake's uh, thermal imaging vision gene into our own, right? Although it seems like a cool idea to be able to switch back and forth between different types of vision. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, maybe it'd be something like, uh, like you see in the... Um, the predator movies with the, you know the technical abilities that he that they have you know i guess we'd have to think about what what might be the the ultimate consequences of having uh, you know that kind of natural ability you know with the occipital lobe in the in the brain which is responsible for processing vision would that have to grow to accommodate additional duties you know for other types of vision and then with the growth of that, that lobe crowd out other areas of the brain that we would normally take for granted, like like uh, for our creativity or, or our reasoning skills or something like that. And one of the lessons I think that the island, the island of Dr. Moreau wrestled with was that, um, I mean, although many surgeries were successful, it wasn't... <clears throat> And it wasn't just the sought-after characteristics that were transferred, like putting a, an animal's head on a human body. You know, for example, in the story, like, along with a, a gorilla's strength, it also came its short temper and its fits of rage, you know. And along with, like, the swiftness of a cheetah, also came with it its appetite for blood, you know, and so on. So would these things happen, you know, if, if this... Uh, if these kind of surgeries and things kept keep going and the DNA splicing and all that, I mean, we don't know, but, you know, perhaps there are, like, ultra-secret government facilities working on these experiments. You know, there probably is. You know, to, not to get all conspiracy theory on you, but if spider and spider milk, you know, spider silk and goat splicing, you know, if that's what we do know about publicly, I mean, what do you suppose we don't know about? You know, that's going on behind someone's, you know, closed and heavily guarded doors. I mean, kind of makes you wonder. But besides the overall amazement, really, I mean, as to what might be possible, uh, how, how far could ge genetic modification really go? I mean, it just, it, it really, we're only limited by our own imaginations. You know, besides physical characteristics, you know, enhancements like, you know, size and speed and strength, you know, or vision or whatever, you know, could we also go a little further and enhance intelligence? You know, I mean, there's even, 
I've seen commercials on TV and even on my phone about a smart pill, you know. And uh, I know some people take, uh, uh, what is it, Adderall to try to uh, enhance their focus and all that. I mean, could we enhance, like, psychic, you know, supernatural abilities like telepathy or uh, ESP? Could we one day, you know, manipulate the known laws of physics, you know, defy gravity or breathe underwater? Or bilocate, or time travel. I mean, could all of these kind of mysteries really be hidden in our DNA code somehow, just waiting, you know, to be unlocked? I mean, it, it, it really does kind of make your mind wander in these types of directions when you think about it. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that's an idea that we've had for a long time is, you know, to create a, an enhanced form of human, you know, bigger this, stronger that. You know, faster, better, you know, almost like a, you know, real life uh, X-Men or something. You know, some people are even convinced that, you know, there is a superhuman project already underway, you know, financed by the, um, you know, like the ultra elites, you know, the Bilderberg Society, the Illuminati or whatever, you know, and and who's, you know, these people are, are tied to some of the biggest banking systems in the world, so they could finance something like that, I suppose. But, I mean, just like everything else, we have to consider the, you know, some of the consequences of if these, these types of advancements are indeed becoming a reality. I mean, what would happen What would happen to the select few that gained the superhuman qualities, right? If they, they literally turned into supermen, you know, would they use their genetic advantages for, uh, you know, for benefit or, or for domination, you know? And, and if you consider like a, kind of the morality, the, the ethics that the movies, you know, the X-Men movies wrestled with, you know, would uh, would humanity embrace an altering of the species and, and accept, you know, a new, a new kind of human? Or would they reject it and despise it? You know, the mutants and all that. <clears throat> so, but I mean, it all just goes to show, regardless of the ethics or the unintended consequences, I mean... The whole point is, I mean, if humans can imagine it, I mean, we can probably achieve it. And there's certain things that have just so captured the human mind that there are people working on these ideas. And, and, and a million ideas we probably never even heard of um, to make it become a reality. I mean, it might take some time, some effort, but I think one day we're going to see this stuff. We're going to see the time travel. We're going to see superhumans or, or whatever I mean <clears throat> you know but like for better or for worse the human mind is very it's a spectacular tool um, and I've been I've been fascinated for a long time um, hold on a second by the concept of just human thoughts becoming real things and like I said at the beginning of the podcast that I mean just look around at everything every object around you whether it be something as, as mundane as a piece of paper or, or a computer or your furniture, your, your flooring, light bulbs, I mean, you name it. <clears throat> I mean, human, every, every single object that you can see at one point was somebody's thought. 
and now it's a real physical tangible item that we can hold in our hands and that's to me that's just an amazing testament to human creativity and ingenuity so if you think about it i mean no pun intended i mean like i said everything you see around you i mean everything it all started out of someone's thought and i mean we could it could go for other things that are not really physical like you know, like a relationship or the structure of a government or a free society or how we place value on things, right? Those were all somebody's thought process at one point. And I'm not, you know, I mean, this isn't about like some sort of magic, right? Or sorcery that, that makes the object of our thought automatically and instantly appear right before our eyes. It's not like, you know, okay, I'm thinking of an apple pie, the apple pie. No, it's more like, <clears throat> Pardon me. It's more like uh, Thomas Edison's idea for the for the incandescent light bulb, right? The light bulbs that are still in use today, or Nikola Tesla um, invented the fluorescent lighting. We still use them today, right? At some point, um, the the idea for the light bulb was just a thought in his head. Right? And it took him many, many tries to get it right. I mean, that's kind of a famous story that he he failed something like 600 times before he finally got the light bulbs that we're all familiar with today. <clears throat> but, again, the thought came became reality. And that's that's kind of what I'm talking about here today. Well, good morning, Aunt Judy. Thanks for tuning in. Um, what about... Uh, I mean, if we take this whole concept a step further, what about taking uh, someone else's thought or idea and making it real, right? I mean, in a, in a weird sort of way, does that make that person with the original thought like a prophet? Right? And what I mean by that is, like, if we look to, uh, for example, science fiction writers, right, or, or fiction writers in general, who invent some crazy ideas for their stories that eventually do become real. I mean, think about... Oh, like the idea of uh, reanimation and, and body part transplants that I was talking about earlier. Um, Mary Shelley, author of Frankenstein, wrote about that stuff in the 1800s. H.G. Wells at the island, island of Dr. Moreau, which I was talking about a little while ago. Um, this one was really fascinating. Um, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea by Jules Verne. He wrote that in, gosh, 1880, 1888 or something. And he was talking about nuclear submarines. A hundred years before they were invented. Right? I mean, that's amazing. I mean, how does that happen? You know, what about like uh, like the world of robotics? You know, computer, uh, like AI, artificial intelligence. Um, Isaac Asimov wrote about that in a book called iRobot. I think there was a movie about it too. Um, what about the disturbing social picture that's, uh, if you've ever read uh, Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand, I mean, she 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 describes uh, America descending into socialism. I mean, that's kind of like what we're seeing in America today, right? And we got uh, Minority Report, which is a um, pretty popular movie with Tom Cruise in it, but it was a book written by Philip K. Dick a long time ago about the uh, trying to trying to uh, see future crimes before they happen and. I mean, that's that's the direction that our police and law enforcement is trying to take today. 
Uh, what about George Orwell, 1984, the whole Big Brother, the whole Big Brother trip with cameras and government everywhere? I mean, we see that today. Um, some of the cool technology, even. Um, Star Trek, uh, I don't know. Like the original Star Trek series that aired originally aired in the 60s and 70s. Um, Star Wars, even. You know, so I mean, does that does that really mean that some of these authors and like Gene Roddenberry of Star Trek or George Lucas for Star Wars, some of the things that we were able to see in those movies, like uh, teleportation or uh, handheld communication devices, like on Star Trek and things like that, does that make does that make these guys some sort of profits or, or responsible for the fact that we now have these things? Well, not so much teleportation, but. Um, I mean, these things are fascinating. I mean, they've they've really kind of leapt off off of the uh, the novelist pages and are now reality in some form or another. I mean, uh, I mean, look at the advancements made in the surgical procedures and organ transplants. You know, I mean, can we say that Mary Shelley or or H. G. Wells are responsible for these advancements because you know they they thought of that many many years ago before that shit ever even existed um and i guess to bring this around to current day you know with the whole coronavirus thing there's a there's a couple of things flowing around on the internet um like dean coons has a book that he wrote in 1981 where he's talking about a virus um being spread called the, like 440 wuhan 440 or something and people are saying that he predicted this and um, eh, not really. I, I I dug into that a little bit, and it's not exactly as it seems. But there is one that is very peculiar. In 2008, um, a psychic named Sylvia Brown wrote a book called End of Days, and she actually did describe exactly what's going on right now. And she named the year, and that it would be a lung and respiratory infection and this and that. Uh, so that's, you know, whether you believe in that kind of stuff or not, I mean... It's there. It's, I mean, but I mean, continuing on. I mean, J Jules Verne with the twenty thousand leagues under the sea. I mean, did he uh, did he invent the idea for a nuclear submarine in the eighteen eighties in his mind? Right. All the all the um, advancements that we see possible in uh, robotics and AI. I mean, is that because of Isaac Asimov and and other authors like that who, who dreamt this stuff up first? You know. When they, I mean, look at all the stuff that we have now, like the touchscreen technology, your phone that you're probably listening to right now, you know, the smart TVs, I mean, you name it. You know, did, did, did George Orwell have anything to do with the rise of the, like the police state kind of that we, that we live in now and all the surveillance? You know, the pre-crime thing about Minority Report? I mean, it's just, it's all very bizarre to think about all these thoughts that were in their head as they were, you know, writing their novels and, and, and making their movies or whatnot. I mean, it, it, we see it in real life now. It's real. It's reality. And just that whole process of dreaming up something, that, even if it's so bizarre and outlandish at the time, to see it manifest itself into reality sometime down the road. Now... 
but I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to say they're, the authors are engaging in, you know, some sort of prophecy, you know, or, or seeing the future. I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily like that. I think it's more of a case of just imagination and inspiration. You know, is art imitating life or, or vice versa? You know, it makes me wonder if so. If the you know, people that we would call the dreamers, I guess, um, the various authors, work of fiction and stuff like that, if they're not somehow an inter- integral part of creating the world that we now live in through inspiration, right? Is that how the process works, really? I mean, on some sort of... Uh, mystical mysterious you know unknown level i mean someone comes up with an idea no matter how crazy it may seem at the time and eventually it becomes something real i mean you know maybe it's the uh the inventor of the nuclear submarine actually read jules verne as a kid and then went holy shit i can do that you know what i mean um Inspiration becoming the field to make even a crazy thought turn into a, a fascinating piece of reality. I mean, the whole the whole concept is fascinating. I mean, remember, uh, oh, it's uh, Back to the Future. I believe it was part two where they actually went to the future. Michael J. Fox movie. Uh, you remember, like they had the um, the the smart TV that he was talking to. Um, he's got the hoverboards. The, the self-leasing uh, Nikes and all that. I mean, we have that shit now. So, I mean, he was a few years off. But, I mean, it was like, uh, I think in the movie they jumped forward to 2015. So, it was a few years off, but it's still there. Oh, what about this? How about Michael Crichton's uh, Jurassic Park? That was a real popular book, real popular movie where they actually did DNA cloning and brought back some dinosaurs, that you know, that whole thing. I mean, are we going to see that happen? I mean, I know that they've already, the scientists, and I mean, they've already um, begun the process with, uh, like, a woolly mammoth. They found some really well-preserved specimens in Russia, somewhere, Siberia, and they've actually started pulling some viable DNA uh, from these woolly mammoths, and they're, they're trying to recreate a new one <clears throat> I wonder if they've done it I haven't looked it up for a while but I wonder if we've actually done it I mean in the same kind of way could we make a could we make a dragon you think or, or a unicorn or something like that I mean thoughts becoming reality man that's that's what it's all about you know it, it could go of course in a, a a more sinister direction I suppose I mean look at look at what Adolf Hitler's thoughts and ideas did you know, look at the reality that he created. I mean, it's not always, you know, cotton candy and rainbows. I mean, there's a dark side too, I suppose. You know, there's a very popular, you know, the zombie apocalypse trip is real popular right now. There's an ongoing fascination um, and research, really, and to bring dead things back to life. You know, I'm not sure. <laughs> That we will like what we find on the other side of that particular door if we're able, able to achieve it someday. But, I mean, I do believe that as long as the idea fascinates us enough, we will one day figure out 
um, a way to accomplish these things. I mean, if they haven't done it already. I mean, humans, human beings are just perpetually curious creatures, naturally. And as long as someone is captivated by a thought or an idea, I mean, I think that the thought or idea has almost no chance <clears throat> of, of staying in the mind. You know, it has to come out. You know, like time travel, another one. It's always a fascinating idea. I think someone, somewhere, will eventually find a way to make it happen. I mean, the same with any idea that's currently floating around that's not reality yet. I mean, like mind control. I know the government's working on that one. They have been for decades. Um, flying cars, interstellar space travel, you know, biolocation, immortality, you know. I mean, I think as long as we can imagine it, we can make it happen. It's strange, really. I mean, just consider some of the things we we have now that that would have been, I mean, just beyond the furthest reaches of our ancestors' imaginations. Can you can you imagine what just our typical smartphone right now would look like to someone in ancient times? I mean, the science and technology that that we take for granted today. I think would have been considered like witchcraft or sorcery or the work of the gods or something to the ancient people. I mean, just think of what it'll be like in another 1,000 years or 2,000 years. You know, taking someone else's crazy thoughts and saying, I can do that. Or how can it be done, you know, rather than, you know, that'll never work. You know, think about um, accomplishments of, of uh, people like Nikola Tesla, you know, Leonardo da Vinci, Benjamin Franklin, you know, the, the types of things that they were able to achieve in their own lifetimes. Um, you know, how they were able to take their thoughts and make real objects. I mean, these kind of men, I mean, there's been several others like them throughout history. Archimedes is another one I can think of. I mean, they're actually responsible for helping to create the world that we live in today. I mean, they provided both the thought and the effort and the skill required to like, produce their thought into a real tangible prototype. I mean, not everybody can do that. The authors, the philosophers, on the other hand, you know, they generate many thoughts, many ideas, but they don't maybe have the technical skill to make it come to life. Somebody else has to do that. You know, so the other people will take hold of that and create it into a reality. Um, but that's what I was kind of wondering I mean are these types of people are they equally responsible though for helping to create our world through inspiration rather than invention I suppose <clears throat> I mean I've heard this saying before thought thought is the impetus for creation and it really is I mean it's, and the whole process is just fascinating I mean if you just if you really just put some thought into it I mean there's so many things that you could think of I mean, just looking around in everyday life and, and even some things that maybe are kind of secretive projects that we don't really know about yet, uh, military stuff. I mean, it's just bizarre. Kind of makes you take a step back and just, you know, the, the human mind, the human brain is just, it's just so fascinating how it works, you know. But... You know, the thought that somebody has, I mean, it takes work and effort before that thought can become a real thing, but the thought has to be released somehow. 
right? A thought kept bottled inside your mind and left to fade away. I mean, that provides really no benefit. You know, the thought itself is not a benefit. It has to come out. And it's not enough just to have, you know, a great idea. Right? You have to do something with it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's astonishing, really, to think that any anything we can think of or anything we can dream about, we can bring it to life. You know, maybe not today or next week, but I think that in humankind's short history, we've already proven that we can do just about anything. I mean, look at look at how long man mankind has wanted to fly. Well, now we can't, right? Maybe not like a bird, right, or under our own biological power, but in the early 1900s, you know, the Wright brothers, <laughs> they achieved flight. I mean, and look at the crude machine that they built versus what's in the sky today. I mean, that's a really short time period to advance that much. I mean, perhaps one day, yeah, we'll be able to fly more like a bird or defy gravity somehow. You know, genetic modification, maybe it'll go in that direction. Um, maybe even technology will switch from, you know, propellers and jet engines to, uh, you know, harnessing magnetism or some sort of anti-gravity methods or something like that. <clears throat> you know, maybe somebody will discover a loophole in, in the, the known laws of physics that would, would literally allow us to fly on our own power. I mean, that would be cool. You know, maybe, I don't know, maybe. Maybe natural human flight has, has to do with the secret of the brain we have yet to unlock. You know, maybe there's a way that we can, uh, like, master levitation you know, through meditation or something. I mean, who knows? The point is that someone somewhere is so captivated by the thought of human flight and believes it is possible somehow that they're working tirelessly on experiments and methods to bring that idea to life. Some researcher, some scientist somewhere. I mean, that's going to be his life's goal. Um, what about... I, we could say the same thing about breathing underwater. Not just flight, but breathing underwater. I mean, um, I mean that thought spawned the invention of uh, scuba gear. I mean, have you ever seen a movie called The Abyss? I mean, it's uh, I don't know if it's late '80s, early '90s movie. But in that film, um, there is a. Uh, a, a deep-sea underwater diving system. It's not necessarily a scuba scuba gear, <clears throat> but it, it allows people to dive to depths that would normally collapse their lungs, but they have to, you know, breathe in this oxygen-infused pink fluid, you know, forcing the lungs to draw the oxygen supply, not from the air, but from this pink fluid, right? And counterintuitively, they essentially have to drown themselves to breathe. But imagine my surprise when I found out that that is a real thing. That is a real invention. Someone thought <clears throat> that if they recreated the conditions of a fetus in the womb, because that's what a fetus does, it breathes oxygen-infused liquid for the first nine months of its life, right? And it works. And it's actually in use. And I think, I want to say it's uh, England, 
that they have designed an underwater um, rebre- they call it a rebreather system that it almost functions as a, a, a set of gills and it allows a diver to stay underwater almost indefinitely because the system itself draws oxygen from the water rather than <clears throat> strapping uh, two bottles of oxygen onto your back like a typical scuba gear does. So, I mean, it's just, like I said, it's just bizarre. You know, the thought of breathing underwater like a fish has spawned, again, no pun intended, spawned these creations. I mean, so we are now able to literally breathe underwater because somebody thought that thought in their head and made it a reality. And so it's the same process for anything, really. I mean, whether it's, you know, I'm drinking a glass of water right now, like somebody made the glass, you know. Somebody had the idea of making indoor plumbing. Somebody had the idea of, you know, putting lines on paper so we can write straight. I mean, you know, being able to see in the dark. Now we have uh, night vision goggles, you know. Somebody had a thought about ways to protect bare skin from the elements. Now we have fire, right? Clothing, houses, better eyesight. You know, like I wear glasses. We've got better eyesight through glasses or, or LASIK surgery or something like that. I mean, just that's so, I mean, that's really what we're talking about is like thoughts and through uh, human ingenuity, human creativity, really. The processes of the brain is amazing. You know, the most powerful force in the in the universe, probably. I mean, think about that. But that's kind of what I wanted to do today. You know, something a little different. Fascinating stuff. And I mean, just, I don't know. Maybe that's just the way my brain works. I think it's fascinating. If you just look at an object that's sitting on your table right now and just think about somebody thought of that, you know. That was just somebody's idea. And now it's real. It's really weird. So anyway, I hope everybody has a wonderful day. You know, wash your hands. Stay safe. And I appreciate everybody who tuned in today. Have a great Sunday. Thank you very much. From ABC News. Daria Aldinger. The president of, of Ukraine warning Russian troops may be on the verge of storming the nation's capital. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says President Zelensky spoke today with President Biden. President Zelensky continues to serve as president of Ukraine. He continues to do that courageously in the face of attacks from Russian military. Biden refer- reaffirming U.S. support for Ukraine, but many, including the CEO of this Ukrainian energy company, say it isn't enough. First, I will start that we need more weapons uh, and then uh, if you um, again started talking about sanctions uh, in order to uh, crush Putin uh, there should be much more serious sanctions and much more immediate ones. The U.S. is joining the European Union and the U.K. in sanctioning Russian President Putin and other high-ranking Kremlin officials. They're also urging Putin to return to diplomacy. With Vladimir Putin demanding new concessions from NATO member nations near the Russian border, the U.S., saying no one will negotiate while Putin attacks. We see Moscow suggesting that diplomacy take place at the barrel of a gun. State Department spokesperson Ned Price saying if Putin wants to negotiate, he must pull troops out of Ukraine and stop the bombing. 
Andy Field, ABC News, Washington. Stock shook off worries about how sanctions could impact the U.S. economy. The Dow soared more than 800 points. President Biden formally introduced his nominee to the Supreme Court, Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Justice Breyer, the members of the Senate will decide if I fill your seat, but please know that I could never fill your shoes. The federal court judge served early in her career as clerk to Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer, who is retiring. The CDC says more than 70 percent of Americans live in areas that are lower medium risk for COVID. You're listening to ABC News. Success in saving COVID-19 vaccines that are about to expire. On two bridges over the Rio Grande, Mexican citizens are offered doses of COVID vaccine that would otherwise expire and be thrown out. Rose Benavides said the Star County Industrial Foundation says it's partly humanitarian, but partly practical. To ensure that their lack of access to vaccines would not negatively impact our community. Trade and tourism are the financial lifeblood of communities on both sides of the border. So far, 12,000 shots have been administered to Mexicans at the bridges. Jim Ryan, ABC News, Dallas. A Florida man who is seen carrying House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's podium through the Capitol during the January 6th riot has been sentenced to 75 days in jail. Adam Johnson also got one year of probation, a $5,000 fine, and 200 hours of community service. Johnson & Johnson and three major distributors have finalized a $26 billion nationwide settlement over their roles in the opioid addiction crisis. DuPage County State's Attorney Bob Berlin and calls it an historic day. Page County alone, between 2015 and 2020, we experienced a 120% increase in opioid-related deaths. The money will be used for things like drug counselors, addiction treatment programs, education, and more. The companies do not admit wrongdoing. This is ABC News. guys enjoyed that episode do me a favor leave me a five star rating on spotify and apple podcast or however many stars you think i deserve and until next time i will catch your asses down the road